Hey, thanks for joining us today. Uh, my name is Pastor Brian, one of the pastors here, and I'm today I'm with my good friend, Pastor Ben Lovelady. Uh, Ben's the uh, senior pastor at First Baptist in Silvis. Uh, you and I have been friends for, boy, yeah. more than five years. Yeah. We've been here yeah. 10, maybe seven, eight years, yeah. right? So we've known each other and um, so welcome to our 4G podcast, where we're focusing on gathering, growing, giving, and going with the gospel. And today we're going to be focused on growing. And I invited Ben to come on. I affectionately refer to you, Ben, as R.C. Lovelady. Uh, I'm thinking of R.C. Sproul. Ben is one of the deeper uh, pastors that I know, and you, you like going deep, don't you? I do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you're also very humble. You don't really even want to admit that you're a deep guy, but you are. Um, I see Pastor Ben as a gift to the church with a capital C, certainly a gift to First Baptist Silvis. Uh, we're kingdom-minded pastors. You and I connect with uh, 20, 25 other pastors, gospel guys who meet once a month. And as we were thinking about this podcast, I, I have such high regard for you, Ben, and I've read a lot of what you've written from the book of Genesis. And I, I haven't read as much in your studies of Exodus, but I've, I've benefited greatly. So uh, those of you here at Edgewood, you've heard me quote Ben, and Ben, I don't know if you know this, but I've quoted you seven different times in the sermons here. Um, and I, I, I know that because I did a search in my Word document, mm -hmm. so thank you for allowing me to do that. I ask your permission once in a while, and then other times I think, I don't have to ask you, do I? No. Uh, okay. And let me hijack this a little bit, too. Uh, I just want to say what a blessing uh, your pastor, uh, those of you from Edgewood listening, uh, has been to my life, uh, to Becky's life, my wife, and uh, you and Beth have been... Um, just a gift from God to us mm. through different seasons in life and ministry. And uh, we're just profoundly grateful. Mm. Mm. Well, we're partners in the gospel. Uh, ben, I, I think we met kind of, I met somebody in your church yeah. at Panera, and then we were at a ministry event together. We think it was Pregnancy Resources. Both of our churches support that life-affirming ministry. And then we've just stayed connected since then. Um, so, but tell us a little bit about yourself, Ben. Tell us about your family, your beautiful bride, how long you've been at First Baptist Silvis. Yeah, so we, uh, Becky and I have six kids, um, aged from 15, almost 16 to four. You're living out that mandate, aren't you? That's in right. Genesis. That's right. <laughs> uh, and we've been serving at uh, First Baptist for uh, 22 years now. So, uh, But you've been there longer than that, haven't you? Um, yeah, so I grew up... Uh, <laughs> A uh, large portion of my life there as well. Uh, we started serving with the youth, and now um, in the last 10 or so years, uh, teaching, main teaching pastor. Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, ben, one of the quotes I uh, looked up, and I'm going to read it to you. I was preaching through Genesis, but in my preaching through Genesis, I'm going at at hyperspeed compared to you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we were just talking, Ben spent three years preaching through Genesis and three years preaching through Exodus, and uh, your insight is profound to me. Here, here's a sample. Uh, was Adam created to be hidden? 
Could it be that even in his boldness, there was an element where God created him to be enveloped by something greater? Yet when Adam sinned, like a hermit crab that has lost its shell, he lost his strength and security and was now running scared, looking for alternate cover other than God, which is what people do today, Mm. right? And worse, he runs for cover apart from God's glory among the very trees he was commissioned to protect. I love this, Ben. Enter Christ. He is our hiding place. Effectively, he whispers to Adam, directing him to the proper tree, the cross, behind which to hide. Jesus hides us in himself before the Father, and we are safe. He's absorbed our disqualifying sin, being distanced from the Father himself, so we might come close from hiding to hidden. So, Ben, let me ask, it's, it's a question. I, I, when you come up with these things, what hits me is you're doing a lot of meditating on that passage, aren't you? Is that, so walk me through the process of your study and your meditation of a passage. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the cue uh, is, from, is from God to do that. And that's, I think, what what initially hit me. Um, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to share is that, uh, you know, the way the Bible is written, you know, uh, the way God gave us his word um, in the in the Hebrew scriptures, which is the way uh, it was for centuries before our English mm-hmm. Bible, you know, changed the order of the books, you know, same books, just different order. But uh, in the Hebrew Bible, uh, the one Jesus would have read and heard, um, it had in the Old Testament, uh, only Old Testament at that time would have been the Torah, and then which is the first five books of the Bible, also called the Pentateuch. Pentateuch, yep. Um, and then it would have went into what's called the Nevi'im, which is the prophets. And the first book of the Nevi'im is Joshua, and then it would have ended with the writings. And the first book of the writings is Psalms. And so when you look at that. You have the Torah, first five books, and then Joshua starts. And right at the beginning of Joshua, Joshua's told to meditate on the law day and night. Mm-hmm. To and be th- successful. Yes. And then you finish the, the Nevi'im and you go into the writings. First book of the writings is Psalms. And in the very first chapter, it says to meditate on the law Whoa. day and night. And so here's a question I love throwing out at, at people that... If, if you finish the law and the very first thing you hear in the next portion of scriptures is meditate on the law day and night, and then you finish that cluster of scriptures and you get into the writings mm-hmm. and the very first chapter says meditate on the law day and night, the question is, is why were those two portions even written? If they're both telling you, hey, meditate on the law day and night. So go back. Go, go back, back to the law. A good question for each of those clusters of writers is, well, why did you write your books then if we're supposed to hang out there? Okay. And I think the only proper answer to that, that is a true answer is we are. These books are meditating on the law. Yeah, they are, right? Right. So take the book of Psalms, for instance. The book of Psalms is one book of five books. Right. Which is just like the law, which is one book of five books. (laughs) Right. And so the law. This is why I wanted you to come on, man. Keep going. It's tipping its hat to we are the Holy Spirit's meditation 
on the first five books of the Bible. Okay. That's what we are. And so then you've got like the longest Psalm, uh, Psalm 119, is just a straight up thorough meditation on the law, oh. you know? Um, Isn't every verse contain a synonym for the law or precept or almost yeah, everyone? Yeah, I'm not as familiar, but I, I think you're on some. I think I've yeah. heard that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Psalm 119 says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. And you read verse like that, and you just have to simply ask, is is God boring? Like, is that true? Like, is is he speaking truth or is that just hyperbole, you know? And that's a question that I think everybody needs to answer. And as I started studying through Genesis, I, it's not as though I intentionally meditated on it. It, it, it grabbed, it grabbed me (laughs) and pulled me in. Yeah. Uh, You know, I have, uh, I'm wearing a pair of boots right now that I was in a Starbucks drive-thru one time and I saw a guy walk through with a hat that I really loved, but I was kind of nervous about asking him where he got it. I didn't know him from Adam, you know? And then I went home and I saw a logo on it and I looked it up. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was like, ah, I should have just asked him. You right. Know? So I'm in upstate New York one time and we're getting ice cream on vacation. And I go to sit down at the table and I see this guy wearing this pair of boots right now. And I said, I'm not doing the hat mistake again. Okay. Right. And so I walk up to the table and I'm like, hey, he's sitting with all his friends. I'm like, I'm sorry to interrupt. I go, can I ask you where you got those boots? And all his friends go, oh, my goodness. Because he's going to tell a story? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because he won't shut up about those boots. Right. You know, he loves these boots. And uh, he went on the third pair. I absolutely love them, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And those boots were a bit of a risk he took that he can't stop talking about. Yep. And the law for me And was, now you're wearing those boots? Yeah, I'm wearing them, yeah. <laughs> and ready to buy a new pair. Uh, yeah. You're waiting for somebody to come up and ask you. Yeah, nobody them, at this point. No nobody one's asked you yet? No, no. Well, they are asking you about the Torah. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It, it, was, it was just a dabble. It was just me walking. I read a quote by uh, Lewis today that says, you know, with God, a lot of us kind of like approach him like we approach the ocean, you know, just we go into our knees, but we're a little skittish about, you know, going way deep. And he said, that's how we can approach God. You know, we don't want to get lost in it, you know, and, and that so we hold back. So we, yeah, we're timid with it. And, and the law is something that seems just like just intense, you know, a lot of read through the year and the, uh, and read through the Bible in a year, stall out in Leviticus yeah. and stuff like that. Or we think in our mind the law is boring or it's right. do not, don't do this, don't do that. And right. we forget what the law is reflecting, right? Or Yes. Yeah. 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 In preparing for this, I was thinking today, you know, the New Testament uh, criticizes those coming out of the Old Testament in regard to the law. and And he criticizes them. He kind of like, puts the law in its place and he says it's elementary it's a tutor yeah it's a guardian it's a shadow and 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 the reason he had to put it in its frame is because they wouldn't graduate from it into Christ right, right? they were holding on to it they're holding it's on meant to, to it. be a school teacher to help them graduate okay. yes and I have kind of a inversed 
criticism of today's culture in that whereas the New Testament authors sort of put the law in its place, I'm, I'm tr- from like being like too big in a sense. And he's like, no, it's a school teacher. Christ is the big thing. Right. right where Christ got to, what's the nature? He distilled it down to two commandments, yes. right? But they were all up in all these laws and rules and adding others. Okay, keep yes. going. Yes. And my criticism of today's uh, evangelical culture is that th- they are allowing the pendulum to swing to the other direction in that they're not considering the law as elementary school. They're considering the Gospels as elementary school or the New Testament. When in God's mind is, I gave you my book this way for a reason. Yeah. Like, this is, this is where you're trained. Uh, this is the backdrop that I want my son to walk on the stage of the play. You know, you know, it is the backdrop. It's the scenery. Um, I was mentioning before we started, you know, every map has a legend or a key. The law is the key that has all the symbols that will help you navigate the rest of the map. Um, I, I think that, you know, for those that like to, my younger brother loves to smoke meat, you know, and, the law I've come to see is like a smoker for me, that if you spend the right amount of time in the <laughs> law, once you get the rest of the Bible will fall off the bone. Whoa, just fall that's off. good. It's a good analogy because a smoker takes time. Right. Right? It, right. And, and it just kind of steady too. Yeah. Steady and time, just let it, let it go, marinate in it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that that out of that then Ben <clears throat> some insights like this come where you're sure. you're literally meditating but it's like it's gripping you and then your mind like on this the second paragraph where you're like enter Christ. Yeah. He is our hiding place and Adam is running away and God's like where are you yeah. and and I I just love how you worded that. Yeah, it's just easy to think God's boring. It it's is. easy to think do do that, that God is like your grandpa that you kind of regret asking a question sometimes because okay. he won't <laughs> stop talking about the answer. <laughs> like, you know, and your your head starts to spin, you know, and, and, that's, and that's what we think. Uh, so then we got to ask questions. Like when the psalmist writes this, that it's worth more to him than thousands of pieces of gold and silver. Is he speaking truthfully? Like r- truly truthfully, like... Or is he someone we wouldn't want to hang out with? Was that guy a guy like us uh, that has interests and likes watching shows and likes watching games and doing all this stuff? Could we ever get to the point where we say that? And my answer is absolutely, absolutely. yes. Yeah. It, it, you know, when Jesus opens up the minds of those on the road to Emmaus and the disciples, and it says, did our hearts not burn within us <laughs> yeah. when he did it? You know, what makes your heart, I would ask, burn within you like blow your mind you 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 wake up at night and you're thinking about it you're reading your bible and you just sit back and be like could that really have been what he meant like because we all love art and we all love art to one degree or another and if you don't love art you need to start loving art because that's how god made us and and we need to love art and every good piece of art has layers you know you listen to a song, if you get the whole song the first time you listen to it, every metaphor, everything, 
you kind of move on, yeah. you know, but if you're listening to a song for the hundredth time and all of a sudden something the artist said is like, oh my goodness. I missed that. I missed that, that before, you know, that is, that's good art, you know, the, and, and that's the way the Bible is written. You know, Paul says Christ is the mystery hidden in the plain sight of the old Testament um, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, it's, it's legit. Paul was just like us. He just was like us <laughs> and he was just blown away at the beauty and majesty of Christ hidden in the old Testament. Wow. You know? L- let me serve up a question, Ben. I, I don't think you know, know that I'm going to answer, ask this, but um, you'll be able to handle this well. Some time ago, a popular pastor and Christian author made this unsettling appeal to church leaders. Would you consider, he's, he's talking to pastors, would you consider unhitching your teaching of what it means to follow Jesus from all things Old Covenant? He believes this is necessary because, quote, when it comes to stumbling blocks to faith, the Old Testament is right up there at the top of the list. He goes further. When people struggle to believe, quote, the Old Testament is usually the culprit. All right, let loose, Ben. What do you say to that? Yeah, so, you know, uh, one of the best communicators I've ever heard, I think, is the guy that said that. And uh, there have been others, you know. Yeah. Um, that were some of the best teachers, uh, best communicators I've ever personally listened to, and uh, and they miss it. They miss, It's such an offense. It's mm. such an offense to God. It is offensive. to say you did it wrong. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, to to the degree that we neglect the Old Testament, we neglect God's way of absorbing, imbibing Christ. And so to the degree that we cheapen or get rid of the Old Testament, we cheapen Christ. Um, and, the, and the thing that blows my mind is I've listened to guys like that, and, and, and they would love this. They, they would love. Like, I, I, the way they talk and teach, I'm like, guys, you could teach what I'm teaching way better than me. Like, you're so gifted at it. And this would really blow your mind. I, I, it's like I, I wrote the guy. But I they think write you're off. Yeah, you they did do, write yeah. him. Yeah. But they write off the Old Testament, so they they're do. not waiting in these waters. So no. tell me about, tell me about that. You wrote this guy, and we're not using his name on purpose. Um, but tell me about that. What led you to write? And do you remember what you said? Yeah. Well, it was in terms of you know he he was saying essentially the New Testament authors focus, their focus is exclusively, primarily highlighting the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and he says, so that's where we want to pitch our tent, so to speak, is we're going we're gonna to teach the resurrection of Jesus. And I just said how much I've appreciated his previous ministry and, uh, and maybe what I've heard and the clips I've heard and what I've read aren't giving a full picture of what he actually said. You know, I said, so you gave him some grace. Yeah. Cause you know, you never know, you know, and, yeah. um, and so, but then I just went on to say, in terms of the resurrection being the focal point of the New Testament authors, uh, I don't disagree, but consider how they say it. Um, that, that, you know, I delivered to you uh, um, of first importance that Christ died um, and rose again in accordance with the scriptures. And he's referring to the Old Testament. Yes. And so 
the, the, the mind-blowing nature of what happened with Jesus isn't just that he died and rose again. It's that he did it in accordance with the scriptures in such a way that, that the, the beauty, you know, in thinking through the arguments for the existence of God, I feel like one that's really missing, that's huge, is simply just the beauty of the scriptures mm. and, and how they portray Christ for all of his luster in ways that make your heart burn uh, mm. within you, you know? Mm. So if you're reading the Old Testament and your heart's not burning, you're reading it wrong. That's the short takeaway. Like, it is truly magisterial, the the way he does it. And, you know, and this is one thing I, I like to throw out there when talking to people about the law. They read the, they read the law, their eyes cross, they think poor thoughts about God and his planning, <laughs> and they move on. And here's what I want to say to them. Jesus was the exact same way. He's the exact same way as his father in the law. What does he say? You know, I think it's in John 6. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And it says that he lost many disciples. They went away because the saying was too hard. Too hard, right? And, And it would have been so easy for Jesus to be like, Oh, okay, time out, time out, time out. What I'm really getting at yeah. is that someday Soften it a little. Yeah, you're all gonna eat little morsels of bread and drink little cups of wine or juice and it's kinda looks like blood and and you know, like this is kind of what I'm inching at. I, I sorry, I was a little bit <laughs> creative, okay? You know, like let's step it back. He just let everybody go. Yeah. Or the rich young ruler. Right. He went away sad, but Jesus didn't chase him. Right. Right, because he was calling him to full commitment. Right. And and I th- so when we look at the Old Testament, I think there are s- some seemingly bizarre things in the Old Testament that that God is letting people just say, "Eh, he's an idiot." You know, forget this. And God's like, "All right, you you're missing out because the beauty of communion versus eat flesh and drink blood is amazing." Yeah. You know, like how that transition it's rooted in the Passover, right? Yeah, right, right, and yeah. that itself, right. So, so yeah, I think we need to give give him give these guys a chance and what they say about the law <laughs> that they could be just like you, yeah, just like me, you know. Wow. Um, and they're pointing to the grandeur of God, right, and the glory of God, the bigness of God, and. And back to the evangelical culture, sometimes we just, we make him our friend. Oh, he'll mm. understand. He'll forgive me. And and we forget like the whole, that's one thing, the law, when, when I'm reading the law, just this sense of God's holiness. This is like, this is what I demand, right? Mm. He's not softening it. Anyway, back to this pastor who made this statement. Yeah. It was <clears throat> just recently then, he softened his views of homosexuality, mm. right? And... And, and all of that. Well, that's a that's an outflow of unhitching from the Old Testament. Sure. Right? Yeah, then you absolutely. soften on some of the 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 teaching about sexuality and holiness and about biblical marriage. Yeah, and you, yeah, we start forming forming God in our own image. Uh, and you know, it's all it's all rooted, you know, the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was forever to me a little bit fairy ish you know, like what, what exactly was that? And, and that kind of thing. Um, almost like Aesop's fables, like what, what is, what is this about? And in teaching through Genesis, I was blown away to understand that, you know, in Genesis one, uh, 
we, f- we meet the determiner of good. Seven times he says it was good or very good, right? So, so when you're introduced, so we need to read Genesis 2 as connected to Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. So God is the one who determines that which is good. He's also the one that determines what's not good in that it's not good that man should be alone. And then Eve is the answer to that problem. Yep. Okay, so like for, for any guy and girl who've experienced, you know, love and romance and whatever, God's answer to not good is that. So he's really good at good and fixing not good. Yeah. You know, we love marriage. You know, we love sexual intimacy. We love all that goes so with it. So why shouldn't we follow it? Right. Right. And then you're introduced to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the astute reader is meant to say, oh, I know that guy. He's God. Like, he's the one that determines what's good. We've just seen him do it seven times. (laughs) He determines what's not good, and he's got a really good fix to what's not good. (laughs) So I'm going to avoid that tree to let him keep making those decisions. Right. So to, to avoid the tree was to say, God, you keep deciding what's good. And you keep deciding what's not good. You write the dictionary on good and evil. Don't don't let us tangle with it. And then when Eve uh, goes to eat from the tree, it's the first time someone other than God is determining, is seeing and determining what's good. She saw that it was good, which is, has only been God up to this point. Mm. And he saw that it was good. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. saw that it was good. So when she does it, everyone's like, no, let him keep doing that. Not you. Don't do that. But she is now the determiner of what's good and what's not good. They eat and then sin results. And we live in a culture right now wow. that is... That's it. It's all we do is eat yeah. from the tree. We, you know, our space is... My choice, my yeah. body, right? It's I want to do what... My my truth. You do you, I'll yeah. do me, right? That goes back to Eve. Yes. and And death and chaos ensue when we when we are the determiners of good and evil you know um so yeah that's that's the deal you know like i was just meeting with a dear friend that has uh abandoned the faith and you know we're talking philosophy and such and um and essentially proverbs says it and it's founded in in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that um the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So every other belief or every other philosophical system doesn't start with the fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge. They begin with me as the beginning of knowledge. You know, they start here instead of with the fear Putting of the Lord. Putting me at the center. Right. And they're in the captain's chair. And, and as a result, death and chaos end up ensuing just like it did mm. in the garden, you know? Mm. Ben, um, share a couple more nuggets from your study. Um, I, I had jotted down a couple things. So, you know, one thing that I'm encountering uh, this week in Colossians is uh, circumcision, you know? Circumcision, uncomfortable topic, very odd, you know? Uh, I read an article recently that said, we really can't understand God's rationale from circum for circumcision unless you go outside the bible to extra biblical resources and there is some helpful thoughts out there in egyptian and how they viewed circumcision and stuff like that but we got to assume and read the bible with faith that god just didn't give us some uh, 
bizarre Some ritual weird thing. Yeah, yeah like there how does how are we supposed to make sense of this you know and so hang with me okay so here's here's the idea start start back in genesis that there is a pattern developing where god's people seek to pursue something in their own strength yep that he's already given they already have they already have it but they try to pursue it it's crazy but it i'm um, let me give some let me walk through some examples okay adam and eve are made in the image of god and they pursue being like god by eating from the fruit of the tree yeah they're already made in god's image but they pursue it yeah they're image bearers yes yeah. but they pursue it um so noah God establishes rest. Lamech, Noah's father, says, I'm going to establish rest through Noah. He names him essentially rest. Noah's uh, sounds just like rest. It's a word for rest. Um, and so God's seeking to establish rest through Noah. Noah gets, plants a vineyard, gets drunk, and falls asleep. So he establishes his rest his way. Okay. He, pr- he pursues rest, <laughs> but it's already been given. God established rest through the yeah. flood. Okay, so here's another example. Abraham has been promised a son. Uh, it's going to come. Abraham pursues what God's already promised to give through Hagar. Okay. He went outside what he should have. Right. And he pursues that which has already been given. Jacob had already been told through, uh, Rebecca had been told, the older will serve the younger. Esau will serve Jacob. But Jacob pursues that which has already been given according to God's promise, his own way with deceiving Isaac, okay? So just take those instances, all right? Yep. And in every one of those instances, when God's people pursue that which he has already given or promised to give, their flesh or some sort of flesh is exposed. So think right. through each one of those examples. Adam and Eve pursue being like God. The first thing they notice is their nakedness. Yep. Noah pursues rest his way, exposes his nakedness, nakedness, his flesh. Abraham pursues God's son, his own way, by sleeping with Hagar. Yep. Nakedness is exposed. Um, uh, Jacob pursues the promise, his way, and flesh is exposed through goat kid, right. goat skin being on him, right? Okay, so every time... God's people pursue flesh their way, or pursue God's promise their way, they expose flesh, okay? So Genesis 15, God promised Abraham, he he does does a covenant, you know? It's basically like in that day going to our lawyer's office and saying, let's sign papers so I know you're giving me your house. But a little bit more, right? It's a cutting of the covenant. Yeah, it's, it's intense, Yeah. right? So he does that, all right? And then, and, and, and he puts Abraham to sleep. He has no contribution. God's going to do it all. He walks through by himself, go to sleep. Then in Genesis 17. Listener, hang in there. This is going to go a uh, deep place. I, yes. can, I can see it. So then in Genesis 17, he tells him to get circumcised. So Genesis 15, he says, Abram, I'm going to do it all. Yep. Go, to, go to sleep. Yep. Yep. You contribute nothing. I'm going to do it all. Go to sleep. Genesis 17, he says, oh, Abraham, you got to get circumcised. So was circumcised a work? Genesis 15, God just said, I'm going to no, do it No, he didn't all. do the work in 15. Right. right. He's sleeping, right? So why does he have him get circumcised in Genesis 17? The answer is Genesis 16. 
Abraham tried to pursue in his own way that which God had already covenanted to give. So God says, take the organ that you tried to pursue, what I'm already going to give, and cut the flesh off of it. God's very oh. crass. <laughs> like he's very, he doesn't mind, he's not a junior hire. Yeah. Like he doesn't mind going those places. It's kind of brutal. Yes. Yeah. He's like, this is the organ that you used yep. to try to get what I, get the promise that yep. I was already going to give. So I want you to cut the skin off that organ, cut the flesh, because you're living according to you, your muscles, yeah, your yeah, mind, yeah. your your will, your, you're trying to get what I gave. Okay. Now here's where it gets bonkers. Okay. So circumcision was God's way to say to every Israelite, go to sleep, rest, don't work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do Trust this for me. you. Trust me. Trust my and provision. And this is a sign. And this is a sign that you're not to rely on yourself. Okay. You get to the New Testament and circumcision itself, which was a sign to say, don't work. Became a work. Became a work. Yes. So we are so bent on us trying to procure that which God has already given that we take the very exercise he gave us as a, you know, a reminder. Hey, hey, slap the forehead. Don't work. I'm going to give it to you. Just chill out. Have peace. Be tranquil. Relax. Trust me. Live by faith. And we take the very method he gave us to have us chill out. And we make that method a work. It's, it's a work by which they judge others. And right? judge others, in, right. I'm in Ephesians 2 this weekend, yes. and they, they refer to the uncircumcision, which is a derogatory term for Gentiles, right? Yes. And they're, so they're viewing every, well, we're circumcised, yeah. we're good to go, right? which they're trusting in their works. Yes. And yes. Paul's like, uh-uh, it's all Jesus, right. right? It's for both. There is no circumcision or uncircumcision. Yeah. In Christ, we're yeah. all one. It would be like someone, someone going to Alcoholics Anonymous and getting medallions, okay, uh, for sobriety, and and welding those medallions into a flask to get trashed. They're taking the very thing <laughs> that signifies that's helping. Yep. It's meant to help, and and getting sloshed with it that's the that's the equivalent of what of what happens with circumcision and it's all and it just testifies to how easily we slip into a works mindset versus a faith it's like we default to that yes and we like push back from trusting that god's got this Mm -hmm. that he's made a way yeah. And he's provided. And I think yeah. of Ephesians 1, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And yet we're like, God, bless me, bless me. God, why, when are you going to do something? And God's like, look at all I've done yeah. and what he's done on the cross. And yeah. Man, listener, you're enjoying this, aren't you? Uh, so Ben, you're not only wading in deep waters. I love how you bring in illustrations like with the medallions, the chips. I think mm. they call those in Celebrate Recovery. And, mm. and um, man... Um, Ben, I, I, I want to just interject something here. You're working on a devotional, uh, with some of these gems. Give us an update. How could we get a hold of some of your writings? Um, where, what's this project look like? And is, and if somebody's like, man, I, I want to do a deep dive, but I, I need a tool. 
I need some help. But what would you suggest? Yeah, uh, yeah. So the um, the work is is slow going, but it's a five day devote five day year long devotional. So it'd be two hundred sixty devotionals just in the in the book of Genesis. Uh, the 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 little tagline that I'm trying to say is uh, one year in Genesis for a life in the Bible. Because <laughs> that's good. If you get Genesis right, the rest of the Bible really unearths itself for you. Um, but yeah, so I'm around 200 in the devotionals. Um, and yeah, it, it'll be a while. I'm, I'm, I'm a slow worker on it, but I meet once a week with some young men at church and, and write a chapter a week and they review it and give me feedback. And it's, it's been a cool, really cool exercise, uh, for us. But in the meantime, uh, man, resources that have been unbelievable for me, uh, is a place called, um, Theopolis Institute. Um, they have a Twitter, uh, account, uh, Facebook, um, Theopolis, Theopolis. They have an app, Theopolis app. Um, you do have to pay for the app, but, um, it's filled with lectures of James Jordan, Peter Lightheart, Alistair Roberts. Um, these guys have just been, you know, you get into these waters and you look around and there's not a lot of other people. <laughs> out there and uh these guys have been like a lifeboat uh for me um and ben what, what i would say i've not read those guys but what what i like about your approach is you're a pastor so you're thinking hard how do i take these deep truths and apply them to the guy who's working on the line at deer yeah. or for the school teacher or for the high schooler and so i think you have a real ability to to communicate deep truth. And uh, you and I have talked since you started this project, and I'm always like, Ben, is there a way you can get some of this out <laughs> I, earlier? Yeah, I felt could like you, you were pushing really, me just you, right now. To, yeah, to, yeah, I'm probably putting some more pressure on. Can you release 50 <laughs> of them now? But but I get why you, you want to put this into to a volume. But I, I just, uh, you're, you're a gift to the church, Ben, and to the kingdom. And uh, when I preached through Genesis 1 through 3 here, you sent me a lot of what you've done, and I've read a lot of that. And um, so thank you so much uh, for My that. Pleasure. So uh, we're, we're going to wrap up in a couple minutes, but uh, I, I just sense you need to share one more nugget <laughs> with us. Um, all right, let's take another uh, super odd thing, okay? <laughs> and this is a little bit shorter, and it's a little dark, so I hate to end on a dark thing like this, but... You know, um, one of the things you read in the Old Testament is don't boil, it's three times in the law, um, don't boil a kid in its mother's milk, you know? Uh, and you kind of understand that. It's kind of a grotesque thought, right? you know? Yeah. Um, but is that it? You know, like even uh, my wife Becky was telling me she saw a video um, of some Jewish girls that they won't eat, because of that law, they won't eat meat with cheese at the same time. Dairy, okay. So, yeah, so they go a little beyond yeah. what the law says, you know. But what's interesting about that law... That wouldn't work for me, man. I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, it's hard. It's, it's hard, it man. Would, it, I heard that and I was like, be oh. like a brat with cheese. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, you know, to seek to understand it, um, essentially, in e each of the three instances where that law shows up, it's put next to... Um, giving your first fruits back to the Lord or giving your tithe back to the Lord in the Old Testament context and frame, frame of mind. And 
And here, so you have to grapple with why did God put that there? It's seemingly bizarre and God loves this. But he said it three times. Yes. And he always puts it in the context next to tithes and such. And you, so God wants you, he's kind of a dad that doesn't tell you the answer. It's Proverbs says, it's the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter. It's the glory of Kings to seek the matter out. Okay. So God is the type God that taps you and he's like, what do you think? Why did I put that there? That's what he wants. He wants you to. Which you do as a dad, don't you, with your kids? I hope. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of a, here's what's wrong. <laughs> That's right. Like, he I, fix this. <laughs> he's teaching me to be a better dad. But so, so you got to consider why. And, and I think here's the theological import of why he, why he says that three times and always puts it next to the tithes. I think what he's saying to Israel is, don't allow the fat, the blessing that I'm giving you, a.k.a. the milk, don't allow the blessing to eclipse who I am and kill your children. Because if you allow the blessing I'm going to heap on you to obscure me, because you're going to become in love with the blessing, all the fat, all the milk, the nourishment that I'm going to, I'm just going to heap it on you. If you allow that to obscure me, your children will suffer. Well, we see that in our culture, don't we? Yes. And you see it in Israel. Um, because Israel allows that very thing. And as Israel is being sieged. Uh, a mom in Second Kings six boils her kid and eats him. It's 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 horrendous. It's chilling. But but what God is seeking to demonstrate is if you allow my blessing to obscure my person, your children, your children will be the sufferers sufferers for that. And so. Uh, He's, he's giving Israel this law to say, don't, as, you're going to be blinded by all the beauty I give you, but you can't miss me in all of it. And uh, your, your kids will suffer for it if you do. And tragically, they do, you know. Um, so that's just another thing that, that we read it and it's easy to move on and just think it's this. But God always is deeper. He's just always deeper. You know, it's gold, it's treasure. And where's that? It's hidden. It's a nugget. You got to go after it. Right, right. Oh, man. Ben, thanks for spending this time with us. So beneficial. And uh, that's a, a good nugget right there. So don't skim on the surface, believer. Uh, read, but then take the time to go down below. Meditate on what you read. Ask questions of the text. Why is this in here? Yeah. Why is yeah. that there? Why That's is that? Why is this word repeated or that? That what you just said three different times. It's mm-hmm. got to be significant. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, so keep growing. Keep living on mission for the glory of God as you gather with God's people. If you're looking for a church, I recommend First Baptist Silvis. I have recommended uh, your church to people. And um, if you're uh, if you're not giving of what God has given to you, you know why not? You know, start serving. Start giving what God has given, and uh, take the time needed to grow. Spiritual growth is intentional. It's not automatic. And we're called then to go with the gospel because we live around people who don't know Jesus. So live on mission for God's glory, for the fame of his name, and do that among your neighbors and to the nations.